welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. This is part five of Lifestyle of Truth, uh, a kind of an ongoing Healing Sunday that I've been doing. doing. Healing Sunday is every second Sunday of every even month. And so six times a year, we specifically talk about health and healing. And this is the fifth one that I've done on this little mini-series that I'm calling Lifestyle of Truth, which is basically a bunch of stuff that I've learned in my life. I've been walking with the Lord in a level of divine health for 20, uh, 20 going on 28 years. I can count on one hand the number of doctors and or pills I've taken in 28 years. And some of those were self-inflicted. And we're not going to get into that. Uh, and, and I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on these truths. It's not Steve's awesomeness and righteousness. It's the fact that God showed me these truths, and so I just decided to live in them. And so we're on the fifth one. You can go to our YouTube channel or our Rumble channel, and, and they're combined into a little mini channel so you can watch and catch up. But the first thing I need to tell you is that healing is not for Christians. Yep, yep. It's, it's, it's like a wave that goes. Yep, 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 yep. Healing is for sick people. Jesus never healed a Christian. Healing is a gift from God that comes from heaven, from people of God, into unbelievers' lives. That's like a dinner bell that lets them know, hey, God's really good and God's really supernatural. He wants to do great things for you, even so much as to heal your body. Wow. That was awesome. I'd love to meet this God. Great, I'd love to show you. Christians are supposed to be healthy. Healing, unbeliever. Health, believer. Because now we're in Christ. You can't be in Christ and sick. <laughs> Jesus don't have no germs in him. Amen? If you're in Christ, you're in the great physician. You are in life. You are in health. He is health. Now, there might be parts of your life that are not fully seated in Christ. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. And sometimes they show up as terrible things, like you get sick. You get angry. You get blankety blank. That's what I tell all my disciples, because I don't, I don't want to call out your emotion, because if I call it out wrong, then you have another emotion at me. So sometimes you get blankety-blank at people. <laughs> Amen. Fill in the blank. Amen. Sometimes finances don't work right. And you're like, well, Bob just said that Deuteronomy 8.18, that he, he created me to be wealthy. Well, then why ain't I wealthy? <clears throat> well, maybe you're doing stupid stuff with your money. 
well, that shouldn't matter. If I'm doing stupid stuff, God should still bless me. Really? <laughs> really? If you're doing stupid stuff with your body, <laughs> no, I was two. I'm waiting for this one to roll across the... If you're doing stupid stuff with your body and telling God that he needs to be doing the healing thing, you're going to be at odds. <laughs> okay, two people got it. That's all right. The rest of you, you can watch the message later. And so healing is a gift from the believer to the unbeliever, from God to those that are not yet in his family. Health is what you and I are supposed to be operating in. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says that he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases on the cross. It doesn't say on the cross. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Yet he was bru the next verse, yet he was bruised for our chastisement. He was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So your healing is from his stripes. That's what Isaiah said. Now Isaiah lived before Jesus. So what does he know? So then let's move forward. Matthew 8, 17. Jesus was right in the middle of healing people. Matthew chapter 8. If you read Matthew chapter 8 and you don't get healed, read it again. There's like six people back to back to back to back. There's old, there's young. There's Gentile, there's Jew. There's people that were, that were born sick and there's people that it came on them. Matthew chapter 8, it's a beautiful, beautiful, it starts off with a leper coming up to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So the leper didn't doubt Jesus' power, he doubted Jesus' willingness. And then Jesus said, I will. You, I wish the body of Christ just got that. Just that. Jesus wills. It's his will. Well, I don't know if it's God's will to heal. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2. Will. It's his will. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't treat you different than someone else. It's his will to heal you. And then in, in verse 17, it's uh, uh, verse 3. And then in verse 17, it says, he healed all these people. All of these supernatural encounters of healing took place to verify that Isaiah the prophet said that he was going to come and take our sicknesses and our diseases. So literally while he's healing people, Matthew stops it as the narrator and he says, hey, the reason this is all happening is because Isaiah said that when he come, he'd do this. And then Peter reflects back on it. So you've got Isaiah looking to the future. You got Matthew standing there watching it happen in the present, and then you got Peter writing in 1 Peter 2:24, 2 Peter 2:24 that looks back on it and says that by his stripes you were healed. So Isaiah says by his stripes we will be healed. Jesus is standing there in the actual healing, doing the healing. And then Peter looks back and says, by his stripes we were healed. 
So every healing that ever needs to take place for any believer took place 2,000 years ago or it ain't going to happen. And now you're sitting there thinking, well, great, I'm screwed. Or I shouldn't say that anymore. I'm, I'm in trouble? In trouble? <laughs> this stinks. How's that? This stinks. I'm sick. And you just said 2,000 years ago is when I got my healing. So now I'm dealing with these symptoms and diseases, and you said if I'm not going to be healed, it's going to be 2,000 years ago. Yeah. You got saved 2,000 years ago. You, you do know the same atoning process that brought salvation to you is the same atoning process that brings healing to you. Amen. So you can receive it in the future, but it happened in the past. Healing works the exact same way as salvation. Salvation is you believe that Jesus did what needed to happen for you to be saved. And then you put your trust in what he did. And then he saved you. Healing is, you believe that Jesus did what he said he's going to do, and then you put your trust in what he said he did. And then you get the salvation, the healing. I know, it's way too simple. It's got to be more complicated than that. Okay, fine, make it complicated, but it's just the truth. 2,000 years ago, he took stripes for your healing. He's not taking them again. I don't care how much you whine. I don't care how many people you get on your, your prayer chain. I don't, I don't care how many times you post on Facebook, pray for me, I feel terrible. None of those things are going to change the fact that 2,000 years ago he took stripes and he ain't taking them again for you. So now we need to move on. So if you actually believed you're healed, you would do things. Like take care of your temple. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. I'm going to actually treat it now like a gift from you. This is where the rest of the message gets really quiet. Really quiet. Like pin drop quiet. It's going to be no blinking and staring straight at me. Because we, this is how I can prove. This is the fruit that most people don't actually believe that Jesus did in their body what he did because you still treat your body like a whipping boy and do whatever you want to with it, whenever you want to, as if it's yours. Yep. Second Timothy chapter two, and I'm gonna read verses one through seven. This is Paul writing to his spiritual son, his most intimate disciple, Timothy, who was a minister. You therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strong in what? Grace. Grace. Grace is unmerited favor from heaven. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Next verse. And the things that you have heard me say among many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men. I'm going to pause right here. One of the reasons that we don't have these things happening in the body of Christ and you might not have them happening in your life because you're just not faithful. We don't have faithful people anymore. Faithful is as rare as hen's teeth. Faithfulness. Which means following through. Which means being a person of your word. 
which means embracing the character of Christ, doing it over and over, not cheating on people, not cheating on, on the ministers that God has given you in your life, not cheating on, on the government or on your employer. Faithful. Faithful. What, what this is saying, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you are not allowed to have anybody, anybody in any kind of leadership if they are not faithful. You know how many leaders we would not have if this was still the requirement in the body of Christ? Now we're just like, hey, are you breathing? Can you show up two out of three Sundays? Hey, you're in charge of everything. And guess how faithful it's done. So every time you see something not done right in the kingdom, you could probably pull it back to an unfaithful person. Man, I could camp out there. Entrust these to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others as well. Well, there's no qualifications in the body of Christ. Okay, well then just take that verse out of your Bible. Next verse. Join me in suffering. <laughs> Come on, let's all go suffer together. Yay, I don't like this church. Like a good soldier in Christ Jesus. Well, I got born again so Jesus could make me have all the tingles and the goosebumps and make me feel really, really awesome and he can fix everything in my life and he can make my spouse act right and he can make my kids glow in the dark and Jesus is going to fix everything. Or you've signed up to be a soldier. Well, I, I didn't know that was part of it. Uh, surprise. <laughs> part of it now. Well, I should have read the fine print. Yeah, you should have. You, you didn't realize that what Jesus was beckoning you to do was to come and die. Because that's what Christianity is. Christianity is come die. You, you don't get to keep anything. Everything dies. You put every relationship on the altar. You put all of your emotions. You put all of your passions. You put your old way of living, all of your old belief systems, all of your old gods. You put them all on the altar, and his fire comes down and burns it up. And then you get to walk away, and then he gives you the things in your life that are congruent with his lordship. Well, I didn't do that. Well, you probably should. You probably should. Because if you're just going to wrestle with, well, I'm going to keep this life over here. I still like all my bar friends and football and, and getting drunk, you know, once a month. I still like this life, but I really want to have go to heaven. And then you're going to wrestle the rest of your life. You should just come die. Or go be with Satan. You love him. If you love what he's doing and you love what he's asking you to do and you love the, the gifts that he gives you, he makes you feel good then go be with him. That's fine. Just be authentic. You guys know that this is like my word. Be genuine. Be authentic. Don't lie to me and God and go and live the way that you want to live. Just die. That's the way I used to be. This is the way I am now. You've changed. Praise God you noticed. If a person gets born again and two or three weeks later their family still don't know about it, if you're a Christian and I go ask your employer, hey, how, how Christian is Stacy? Stacy who? Stacy Castle. She's a Christian? 
Amen? Okay, we're still doing the quiet thing. Like a good soldier. Next verse. A soldier refrains from entangling himself in civilian affairs in order to please the one who enlisted him. <laughs> you know how many civilian affairs we are entangled in? Anybody besides me? I'm, I'm working towards this too. We're entangled, entangled with so many things of this civilized world that there's no way we can do the supernatural calling that we have. I am way too busy to go do all that ministry, Pastor. Okay. Next verse. Likewise, a competitor does not receive the crown unless he competes according to the rules. Competitor. This is an athlete. And next verse. The hardworking farmer should be the first to partake of the crops. So he's got three analogies here. One is soldier. One is athlete. One is farmer. If you know anything, like legitimately know anything about these three specific types of people, these people are incredibly hardworking, dedicated people if they are surviving. Especially in that culture 2,000 years ago. You weren't a part-time farmer and ate. You weren't a part-time soldier and lived. You weren't a part-time athlete and went to the Roman games. You were all in on these things. He used three different explanations of how we are supposed to have our lives. All in. Every part. All day, every day. And then verse 7. Consider what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all things. If you compartmentalize your life. Okay, I got Sunday morning for Jesus. And then you go into the rest of your life. Now, I'm going to say some challenging things. In your marriage, people do this in their marriage. So in your marriage, you've got, you've got your spiritual part of your marriage. Then you got like the real part where you guys are fussing all the time. And then you got the secret sex part, which shh, don't tell people. We have sex as a married couple. Uh, just so you know, God created it. In the garden. Thank you. Every man, never mind. They were all sleeping. What, what, what? sex? I thought I was at church. What did he say? God created it in the garden. In perfect, sinless state. He made it. Now, I want you to think that through for just five minutes. Who taught them? And you think it's dirty. Right. Okay, there's four of you that caught that. Mar inside the marriage covenant, the physical union is holy and sacred. Outside of the marriage covenant, it is satanic. I don't know how to help you with that. I don't know how to help you with that. That's the way it is. <laughs> we need to stop compartmentalizing our life. If God has done things in your body like healing, then you need to bring everything into alignment with God, what God has done. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. 
Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And, and don't sit there like, yeah, I know. Why was Paul saying this to the Corinthians? They knew, but they didn't know. You know, you have to be reminded of some things. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why did the psalmist have to say that? Because you forget. Sometimes you're doing stuff, and then the Lord will say, hey, you know, you're a temple. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. Whoops. Just the more you do that, the more you recognize your temple, and you do know that there's entire chapters back to back to back to back in the Torah, in the Old Testament, that talk about the intimate parts of the temple, that every single thing had to be exactly right every moment for the presence of God to be right in that. And we treat our bodies like garbage dumps. We say terrible things to it, look in the mirror and say, you curse it. We don't believe, like I tell Kay, how beautiful she is, how pretty she is, and she don't believe me. Why? Because her residual self-image on the inside is not that. You do the same thing. The reason you have a residual self-image that is contrary to what God wants it to look like is because you're living contrary to what God wants it to look like. <clears throat> Next verse, please. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Did you know that was in the Bible? Are you doing anything destructive to your temple? This is where it gets quiet again. Just don't look at me and nobody will know. Because you're doing destructive things likely to your temple. And you're calling it good. Well, I just, I just love cookies. So your health breaks down into, into three categories. One, health, which is the finished work of the cross. Two is fitness. And three is shape. Fitness and shape are different. And they have different ways that they need to be worked out in your life. So your health comes from the finished work of the cross. You living in the finished work of the cross is going to affect your fitness and your shape. And I know you might be looking around the room looking at everybody else's shape. You keep your eyes on your own shapes. Water your own breath. <laughs> so real quick, fitness. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. <clears throat> and I know you might be thinking, there's fitness in the Bible? Shocking. You know there's everything in the Bible. Right. Or do you not know that your body is a temple? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Uh, my bad, we already did that. Psalms 18, 32 through 35. This is David. David was a fit person. You can go look at a statue of him. Just don't look at the bottom half. <laughs> then, God who, then God who equipped me with strength. You know, God can make you strong. Yeah. Men? Yeah. The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. Make it so you don't fall down. Next verse. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. God did that. God can make you strong. Well, yeah, but I'm old. 
You know Caleb climbed a mountain, it was 82 years old, climbed a mountain, got to the top of the mountain and killed giants. Giants, like Goliath. You know, we're all cool with David. David killed Goliath. Yay, wait a Caleb killed giants way before David was even born. And he killed him as an 80-year-old man. Moses climbed a mountain, and it, the scriptures specifically say in Psalms that at 80 years old, Moses climbed a mountain, and his eye was not dim, he didn't wear glasses, and his natural forces were not abated. That means he was still testosterone heavy. Well, I mean, I'm 80. I got to be broken and, you know. You know what most 80-year-olds do in America today? They plan their week based upon doctor visits. Well, Monday I got the guy with the kidneys and then on Thursday I got a diabetes and then that's their life. I know I met these people. Hey, what do you do? I'm retired. So what do you do? Well, Monday I got a doctor and Tuesday I got a doctor and Wednesday I got a doctor. Die. <laughs> It's like death. It's already painful. It's miserable. God didn't create you to be that way. You're a slave to a doctor visit. And medicine, and they're killing, the medicine's killing you slowly. Just be like Job. Curse God and die. <laughs> That's going to be all over social media. <laughs> Did we do 35? First, P, uh, First Timothy 4.8. This is in the Amplified. I want you to get this. <clears throat> this has a, a ton of power to it. 1 Timothy 4.8, for physical training is of some value, useful for a little. This is why people don't work out because they read a verse like this. Oh, well, it's only useful for a little. You know what else is useful for a little? Brushing your teeth. They're just little teeth. You know what else is useful for a little? Toilet paper. <laughs> got one little random use and you use it why don't you do this but godliness so here's the thing that people are like well you know I'm not going to do all that physical training and exercise stuff because I'm going to be spiritual okay well let's test your spirituality since you're spending all your time training in spirituality let's test your spirituality amen or maybe you should do both Maybe just recognize that maybe we're slacking off on both. Anybody? Amen? Amen. <clears throat> uh, fitness also is connected with mental health. This has been a, uh, an aware, uh, something that we've been aware with for over 2,000 years. In fact, one of our founding fathers was the one who started the... Um, the, he was the father of the American psychiatry, and he literally writ, wrote an entire book on the correlation between physical exercise and mental health. Some of your oppression and your depression, some of your bad attitude is because you need to get off your rusty butt. Amen. You need to go sweat a little. Amen. There's something about sweating and, and exercising and moving around and doing stuff that just, it makes the stuff work. It makes you feel good about doing stuff. You know, when you wake up sore after a good workout, you're like, oh, I'm so sore. Honey, feel my sore. Oh, yeah, you feel how tight it is? <laughs> it's a good bad. 
This, uh, there's a study that I linked here in the paper. It says that the average person um, in America today has 3.4 poor mental health days per month. So if you take Christians out, it's probably about five or six poor mental health days a month. And what they describe as poor mental health days are days that people literally are doing so bad they're contemplating suicide. That means the average American walking around out there, four to five days a month are considering the fact that their life is worthless. And a lot of it is connected to the fact that physically, I mean, listen, we can't even, we can't even physically handle church. Think about that. The physical requirements just to be in church, do worship, stand for 35 minutes, worship God, and then listen to someone talk for an hour. We can't even physically handle that. We are not physically capable of church. And you're going to go slay giants and advance the kingdom of God across the nation? Come on, y'all. First Corinthians 9:27. This is in the I put it in the ESV, but I'm going to give you another version. But I discipline my body. Did did you hear the shiver in the room when you, you said the word discipline? Yeah. Discipline. <sighs> Mufasa. <sighs> Don't say that word again. Discipline is one of the most terrible cuss words that you could ever use in American society. No, 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 we're not going to discipline. I know, we can tell. We can tell we're not going to discipline. You, look at the kids. I just read you a 22-year-old kid. What did he do? He went and did what he wanted to do as an undisciplined 22-year-old kid. I see this. I am, we are assaulted by this in our society. Kids doing whatever they want to do, and the parents literally just giving them whatever they need to give them to shut them up. Just shut up. Right. Take the glowing screen. Here's the candy bar. Will you shut up? That's not discipline, just so you know. Okay, if this might be new, discipline is a wooden rod on a rear end. Say, if you do that again, I'm going to make the other side numb. Yep, yep that'll get used too. <laughs> I discipline my body, and I keep it under control. Let me ask you this. Don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> Are you in control of your body? Or is your body in control of you on an average daily basis? Do you do what your body says, what your body growls, what your body pains for, what your body wants? Are you tired so you lay down? Are you, are you following after the sugar rush, the things that your body craves, what you need, what you want? Or are you in charge of your body every waking moment? This is what he's saying. He put himself in personal discipline until he made his body belong to him. God gave you that body to serve you, not for you to serve it. Oh, that is so important. So important. Which means this body needs to be able to do what I need it to do. So if I need to go out there in the cold and shovel snow for two hours and it's heavy and slushy and it's whatever, then my body needs to be able to do that. 
If I need to go on a walk with my wife for an hour and a half and talk about our marriage and our life, then my body needs to be able to do that. And when I turn 80, if God says go kill a giant on a mountain, I'm going to say yes, sir, because this body has been put into discipline for your kingdom. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul literally said the difference between being qualified to minister and disqualified to minister is whether he keeps his body in discipline. This is how I know that 95% of the body of Christ don't believe that. Or they don't care to minister. Well, I'm not called to minister. That's your job, preacher. You preach. You're called to minister. If that's shocking to you, I'm sorry. But God didn't make you. There's no such thing as clergy and laity in the Bible. The Catholic Church invented that. Amen. God bless them. <laughs> We're all called to be priests and kings unto our God. I pummel my body and make it my slave is what it says. I think it's in the NASB. Paul said, I literally make my body my slave. When's the last time you had your body in slavery to your will, your desires, versus your body making you the slave? Here's how we're going to feel. Go. Here's how your day is going to go. Now. Here's what you're going to like and what you don't like. You're going to be tired today. Look, the sun's not out, so you got to be tired. I really want to go get fast food. 40% of fast food cannot legally be classified as food. 40%. Nobody in here has gone to any fast food this week, so I can say this. If you went and had fast food, 40% of it's not even literally classified as food. It's mostly plastic. 40%. Check this one out. 78% of tested fast food contained fecal matter. Hey, what you got there, Big Mac? No, I don't think so. 78% of that Big Mac is not Big Mac. They have found in the 78% of tested food, rodent parts, maggots, foreign matter like cigarette butts, insects, and insect parts. And you pay them. I've seen people sit in line in fast food at McDonald's. One time I was across the street having coffee at the higher grounds, and I watched a person pull into the McDonald's across the street, and they sat in line for 45 minutes to get fast food that is 78% fecal matter. <laughs> and I'm the weird one. I won't eat fast food. I'm sorry, I won't. I know what's in there. I was in the restaurant business. Bob, ask Bob. Me and Bob were in the restaurant business a long time. <laughs> ask Cheryl. I mean, she's currently in the restaurant business, so her stuff's all good, but what you see in the restaurant business, you're very aware. You're way safer eating at home stuff that you make or coming to my house. My wife makes great food. The food industry uses ammonium hydrogen as an antimicrobial agent, which allows McDonald's to use meat in its burgers, which is otherwise not suitable for human consumption. If you have rotten meat, you can sell it to McDonald's. They'll wash it in ammonia 
and then it's not rotten anymore because they killed all the germs and they put it into a machine, they turn it into a paste and they turn that paste into a patty and they turn that patty and they send it to your McDonald's frozen for 700 years and then they put it on a grill and grill it and give it to you as a Big Mac and you give them $8 for it. Forty percent of all American young people have fast food on any given day. I don't know why these kids don't learn anything in school. I don't know why they got to have more Ritalin. I don't know why they're so hyperactive. I don't know why my kid's always sick. I don't know why. I don't know why. I do. If you take God out of their life and you substitute it with fast food, you're torturing your child. And remember the... Bible verse that we just read that you're going to be accountable for what you do to your temple if you destroy your temple. God's not okay with that. You think he's okay with you doing that to your kids because you're too lazy to cook them a meal? No, I'm not talking to anybody in here because you all are good parents. But this happens all the time. There's a bunch on here that I didn't call, go through because I'm going to end with this. Diet. First Corinthians 10:31 ESV So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God Can you say that after every meal You know this is another one of those command things <laughs> It's quiet again I'm going to I'll stop here and we'll come back to this in two months when you can handle it. But what happened in original sin? Think back, garden. How did the enemy get them? If you eat, you'll be like a god. And he'd been doing us that way ever since. If you eat, You'll be happy if you'll eat. Those tummy pains will go away. If you eat, if you eat. If you eat, you'll feel better. This is a normal thing in, in psychologically damaged people where they, uh, what's it called? Emotional. emotional eating, where they emotionally eat. I feel bad about myself, so I'm going to eat and get fatter, and then I'll feel great about myself. That's another thing. You know, we started off this, this time together with the word discernment. If it's fat, it's fat. I'm going to stay up here. <laughs> if it's fat, it's fat. It's not mean, y'all. It's true. If it's not right, it's not right. Stop calling it right. Stop giving it excuses. If some old mangy dog came in your house and pooped all over your floor and urinated on your, on your TV and ate the couch and did all, and you just said, well, I mean, I just wandered in. I mean, I don't, kick it out. Deal with it. The first thing you got to do is say, hey, that dog don't belong. And if there's things in your life that don't belong and they're physically hurting your body, you don't have permission to keep them. It's not your body anymore. If you want it to be your body again, go back over on the other side of the cross. 
And by the way, it stinks over there. Satan's going to do things to your body you wished you didn't let him do. But on this side of the cross, you gave your body to Jesus. It's his now. My body belongs number one to Jesus, number two to Kay. And Jesus gets it every once in a while because Kay is just loving it. All the t you hear that? Watch the video. <laughs> but it's really true. I don't get to make decisions about this unless I check with Kay and, and Jesus. And sometimes Jesus will let you. I don't want to be all legalistic on this. God will let you have a feast day. Go to the Kononia at the church and have a great time and, and have two plates and, and an extra piece of pumpkin pie. And God will be okay with that. He has feast days in the scriptures. But if every day is a feast day and you're jamming your body full of garbage and then you wonder why you're mentally upset, you wonder why your body's always producing stench fouls and, and all these other problems and you can't accomplish what God wants you to accomplish because your body is out of alignment, you don't get to blame God for that. That's on you. Amen. Do you guys still love me? Yes. I don't think that was sincere. Okay, please. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.